0: Are we doing this? Really? Wait for it. Are we doing this? Wait for it.
1: Wow, oh, What the fuck? I'm good And it's also, yeah, what the fuck? What's wrong with you? It's time for WTF. What the fuck? Mark All right, are we doing this? Welcome to live What the Fuck at the Global Comedy Festival in Vancouver, Canada, at the Havana restaurant. Thank you for coming, nice to see you guys. You shut up really quick, didn't you? <laughs> I'll tell you, man, Canadians are the most polite audiences in the world. You just stop your clap, let's be polite now. <laughs> I am, I'm glad to be here. I, uh, I brought one bag of Just Co-op, <clears throat> which I, I, I promised to that guy back there. From what I understand, you can't get it here anyway, so this is what it looks like. Uh, you know, eat your guts out. There you go. You can't have it. It's unavailable to Canadians. I apologize. I'm sorry. I, it's not my fault. I don't know what to do about it. I don't know why it's unavailable to you. I'll talk... To, you got to understand that the people I'm dealing with are, are old hippies, and they live in Wisconsin, and they just, you know, they sit there, and they're like, what, a global business model? Dude. So, you know... So... So, so that's what I'm dealing with. I, I want you to know that uh, Eddie Pepitone is backstage by himself. <laughs> I've got Tig Nataro, I've got Dean Edwards, Chris Porter, Jamie Kilstein. I don't know if you you know Eddie as well as I do, but uh, let me just try to... Ca- ca- what is that? Chris Porter did not turn his phone off. He will pay for that on the panel. I, um, I just want to share a moment I had with Eddie, who was sitting back there alone, as I said. And I walked back there and... Eddie was sitting alone in a chair and he looked up at me and he went, I had a cupcake. (laughs) Then then he goes, and lasagna. So that's what he's dealing with. And that's a deep, there's a deep amount of self-hate going on in that room right there. See where the door is cracked? I'm surprised we're not being drained by the neediness through the crack in that door. But you know what that's going to mean? That means that Eddie is going to be on fire. It's a a little light in here and a little intimate. It's kind of interesting. Like, I was all for it before the show started, but now it's a little awkward. I I feel your expectation. I see you looking at me. I I prefer just to see the first row, but I actually see fucking everybody in here. And uh, there's a lot of Asians here, which I find challenging. And I... Because I know you know me, and again, I have no problem with Asians. I've decided they have a problem with me. But... I did eat at a place called Goo, uh, which uh, I'm just glad it's spelled like that because, because when you, go, you can't spell a restaurant's name G-O-O. It's disgusting, but Goo, it's sort of like, I don't know what it means, but it must be good. But, um, but uh, they, they were all very pleasant, and I didn't get any uh, bad looks or anything, so I'm starting to shift my perception that Asians don't like me because of the experience I had in Vancouver. I felt like I was accepted by all Asians last night at that restaurant. <laughs> Not so much at customs, but I um, <laughs> here's what happened what, coming out here. Now I don't know if you have this, but they're, they're, they now have full body scanners at some airports in America. And, and I've talked a little bit about it on the podcast before that the, the idea that I had was that there's this idea that it's becoming totalitarian. Big Brother is watching us and, and that it's now an obey society and we're all being watched. And then I started to realize, well, we seem to want that uh, because, you know, I think that the sound of Big Brother is when a guy goes, dude, I got GPS on my phone. It's so fucking cool. So, you know, <laughs> so you're kind of volunteering for it. But then my girlfriend, Jessica, said you can opt out of the body scanning so we were going to make a big political statement because we saw the body scanners there and we're like fuck the man we're opting out and it was actually sort of a charge cuz you know we knew it was coming they randomly pick you for the body scanning which is questionable in and of itself like it's not even based on how you look cuz they can't profile You're just sort of like let's see that guy naked yeah i don't know what are they randomly picking so so, of course, they picked us, and I knew they would. And, and I literally... Cause I, and I think I only did it because she was standing there. Like, I, I think I would have been the guy that's like, oh, right, I'll go. And like, I don't give a fuck. Big brother wins. I don't give a shit. I want to get on the plane. But because Jessica was there, I'm like, I'm going to make a stand, baby. And I'm like... <laughs> and they're like, do you want to go there? I'm like, I'm not going through. And the guy looks at me and goes, are you opting out? Yeah, I'm fucking opting out. <laughs> Fight the power, dig what I'm saying, man? And, but I... I didn't say all that. I just said, yeah, I'm I'm opting out. Can I, what happens now? And um, (laughs) what did I get myself into? And then they're like, well, okay, so you're volunteering for a pat-down? I'm like,
2: yeah,
1: a (laughs) pat-down. Let's do the pat-down thing. But it's like a big production, because basically what they're saying is, like, they're, by patting us down, which they make you stand on on two things that, you know, with your feet, but you don't, you don't get to put a quarter in and dance. You just, you know, you just stand on the thing, and then there's a big production, and a guy's like, can I get gloves? I'm like, how far are we going with this? You know, I, we're in front of people. I mean, I think that if we're going to do the glove thing, perhaps it should be a little more intimate setting. Am I wrong? So, yeah. And then there's like the big thing that there's a guy at a podium that's like, what size gloves do you need? I'm like, oh Christ. And the guy's like, I got I need small. And then I was like, well, that's good. You know, because I but uh I wasn't even gonna go there with this. But I but how can you not? You got gloves. Why not go right up the ass, right? We can do that. So so he puts the gloves on and then, you know, there's this thing where they seem to be equally as awkward about the pat down as you are. They're not professional patters down. Like they're literally, they're putting the gloves on and it's an Asian guy. So immediately I'm like, all right, well, I'm going to try to like you during this. <laughs> so he puts the gloves on. He's like, I'm going to start now. And I'm like, wow, this is really, you know, this is really like a date. And, uh, and he goes, I'm, uh, he goes, what did he say? He said, I'm going to use the back of my hands for sensitive areas. And you know they're, they're right, but there was part of me that's like, just cup it, dude. You know what I mean? Hold on, <laughs> let's try to get something out of this. You know, and it takes way too long. And he really pats me down, but he doesn't touch that area at all, which I found disappointing. And 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 I found that it was it was a pretty good experience. All around but there was still part of me it's like I should have just went through the fucking machine although that's a less intimate experience it's a more detached sort of technological raping of you because the knowledge that you're in this machine standing there like this with your clothes on and there's some guy in a room looking at you naked going
2: <laughs> you know I
1: who needs that kind of pressure but I know <laughs> that's what I should have done I should I should I should have done it and had them go okay you're done then go where's the laughing guy Where's the room with the laughing guy? <laughs> I didn't do that. But that's where we went. So then I get to customs, and I'm flagged here for the rest of my fucking life. Not, and not over anything good. I, um, I came up to this festival, and I'm not going to blame Will, who runs the festival, but I, um, I, showed up, I drove up from Seattle, and I didn't have my paperwork. So I get there, and I don't understand how your country works. Again, not condescending, but it was a little fucking ridiculous. I... <laughs> They're like, what are you doing here? This is when I drove up. I said, I'm on a comedy festival. And they're like, where are you performing? I'm like, I don't know. It's a comedy festival. He's like, well, are the theaters you're in, do they have cabaret licenses? And I'm like, are you fucking serious? <laughs> I'm glad I figured out how to get up here. And he goes, well, I can't let you in the country. And he sends me out of the country. So, I got to make phone calls to figure out whether or not I'm performing at a place that has the proper license. It was fucking ridiculous. But because that happened, now I'm like, I'm flagged. So, I know every time I come into Canada, I got to go to immigration. And I'm traveling with other people, and they got to wait for me while I go into immigration. So, this time I'm in immigration, and like, I think, no, I don't know, like, because I brought this up a couple times, but we're just people here. There's something fucking wrong with customs agents, am I right? I mean, they're like, there's some breed of people. Like, I don't know what the fuck is wrong with them. But they creep me out. They don't seem to have a conscience. And they fuck with you on purpose. Like, and they take forever. What are they doing when they go in the back room? Have you guys had to deal with that? I don't know if you've even had to deal with that. I'm sitting with, like, the entire... I'm sitting with, like, a, like a Benetton ad. There's people representing every country of the world. <laughs> the, the only thing that's missing are, are animals and people cooking. You know, like, I'm literally... I'm like, why am I here? I'm just a comedian. I just want to go tell jokes. And now, like, I'm some sort of suspect. And then you wait, and you watch, them. they just lumber around. You know, they kind of, like, move really slowly and deliberately, and they're intimidating, and they look at you and judge for a minute, and then they walk, and, and then they go back in rooms for hours. So I'm out there for a fucking hour. And then, my, and then Jessica's t- texting me. is like, by the time they, they, uh, they get to you, you're going to admit you're a terrorist. I'm like, don't fucking text me that, because now... <laughs> literally that's how paranoid I got these guys I've been to customs before where they have gone to websites of places of performing to try and get information and I think that they're somehow hooked up to reading my text they don't even I don't even think they want their fucking job they just do it to fuck with people but but I literally got so paranoid I'm like don't fucking say that and then I erased the whole text thread (laughs) I did I'm always that paranoid because you do get paranoid, and, but, and I'm, I'm trying not to resent the whole situation because I know it's not like America where I can just go, is there another line I can get on? Because then they'll make you wait longer, you know? And So finally I'm just sitting there, and I'm fucking livid, you know? And I, I, I know that's the time where I would say something like, I'm here to kill your prime minister. Yeah, you know, I, I know that. <laughs> and then I'd go like, Ah! <laughs> But I didn't do that. Like, I, I'm like, just transparent, man. You've got nothing to hide except for the t shirts that you're selling and you need to declare. So, um, I was talking to that guy before the show. I had all these t shirts and I didn't say that I was bringing up merchandise. And I literally was like, hoping to fuck that they didn't you know, open my bag and ask if it was merchandise. And then I thought, like, when I said to him before, I was like, no, I wear all those. It's the only thing I wear. I sweat a lot and I prefer that t shirt, the one with me on it. <laughs> I'm like, I'm not saying I'm not screwed up, but I'm not a problem, but I just like having me and my cats on my chest at all times. <laughs> this is about immigration, not about stability. Am I right? Don't judge me. But I didn't say that. I had one of those moments where like I had my passport, I had the customs card, and I had an envelope with an itinerary that my manager sent me, and, the, and which they don't fucking need, right? So I give him everything, and then I'm like, oh, you don't need that envelope. And he goes, why not? Because the map of what I'm going to blow up is in that envelope. <laughs> I'd like to have that back, please. <laughs> Fucking guys, now this is going to play, and I'll never be able to get into the country again. Because one, co- you know how I found out I was flagged? Though it was beautiful. <laughs> the last time I went into a Toronto, I got a bitters custom guy, a bitter guy. Like you know, that was like it was hilarious. Because I'm sitting there, and he's going through my shit. He's like, "You don't really need to be here. You know that, right?" I'm like, <laughs> "Right." I'm like, I didn't know that. And he's like, these fucking kids who are running this place now? He was one of those guys? Yeah, I used to be a cop, and I've been here for 20 years. And these, these people, they don't, they don't even give a shit about their job. And I'm like, yeah, so tell me about it. <laughs> right? So he, he's like, well, you got flagged because of this. And I'm like, well, why don't you just unflag me? He's like, can't do it. And I'm like, well, like, thank you for your honesty. And, and I hope that uh, your pension kicks in soon, because frankly you don't have the attitude for this work anymore because <laughs> but now I know and, and it's do you, do you know that it's completely up to them how much they're going to fuck with you they, they could just let me through if they want but it's like this game they play they're like we got one and it's a clown from America <laughs> you want to read emails and then we'll bring some guests up all right Hey, Mark, just wanted to let you know that I really appreciate what you do and how you express yourself. If I were more articulate, I would give reasons why I admire you, but my neurotic backspace key prohibits such. Anyway, keep it up. I'm listening. P.S. Be my dad. No, I think he meant that in the the right way. Um, So here's this asshole that has a podcast. I listen to the guy night and day, heard all his stuff, except for his elitist donate-only shit, which I can't afford, uh, in parentheses. Anyways, he fires off an email saying he's playing a show in Vancouver the day before the show. What the fuck? Finally, you're close enough that I can see you. Only catch is your timing is so last minute that I don't have time to book off work. My girlfriend, who also loves you, is camping for the weekend, and I'm trying to figure out how I can convince her to ax her plans, tell my boss to fuck off, and somehow jump on a ferry and get to Van in time to see your show needless to say i was so paralyzed with guilt <laughs> midway through this that I, I chose not to like the guy uh, i mid- midway through so then he says sometimes you just uh, gotta say what the fuck so i did i said what the fuck dropped everything and jumped on a boat chances are i'm somewhere out in the audience at the havana restaurant right now wondering why the hell i paid so much for a ferry ticket a bus ticket, a SkyTrain ticket, and a ticket to get in the door so I could listen to you bitch about your life and talk about how great your cats are. I was going to end it at that, but I figured I should probably say something nice considering how goddamn sensitive you are. So love you, Mark. Glad you're in BC, and I can't wait to catch your show. See you there. Are you in here? Oh, he didn't get in. Where is he? He's not in here. Oh, fuck. We go see if Tom's out there. Can you yeah, see if Tom and his, his Tom? Tom is out there. Oh, fuck. That was supposed to be the happy ending. <laughs> that didn't work out at all. Fucking guy went through all that trouble, but he's sitting out there. His chick canceled his camping trip? Oh, fuck. Huh? I hope he's out there. What if he's not out there? I can't wait to see the next email I get. (laughs) I'll read that on the next podcast. I feel bad. All right, let's read this one real quick. I'm sorry. Because I I really like this one. Hey, Mark, you tell someone to go to hell, and they respond with, that's where all the fun is. What the fuck is that? Why do they think that somehow win with that response? pretty pointless way to tell me you don't believe in hell. I don't either, so it's besides the point. But you can't invent what hell is on your own. Hell is not like your friend's basement when you're a teenager. Like, you're just gonna die and walk down a flight of stairs and eat Cheetos and get high and play Grand Theft Auto forever. A demon is gonna stick a 40-foot razor dick in your ass and slice your body in half. Then giant maggots are gonna eat up your flesh and vomit you into a river of shit. Then some crazy two-headed anteater motherfucker is going to snort your shitty sliced up flesh and spray it into a mold and reanimate you as a block of ice and then a giant grandmother is going to breathe her grandma breath on you until you melt and this will happen forever over and over no religion ever said you get to just continue to commit sins when you get sent to hell like play naked volleyball with a bunch of models who died from cocaine overdoses (laughs) Or smoke PCP with Hell's Angels. The point behind Hell is that nobody would ever like it. So if I tell you to go to Hell, please understand the ramifications of what I'm saying to you. I'm not telling you to go to Hell because I believe in it, but I'm also not saying, hey, go hang out with Bon Scott and fuck underage girls for eternity. (laughs) If, If I tell you to go to Hell, I already won. don't say anything at all in response but maybe think to yourself, wow, I must be some kind of asshole if this guy wants me to spend eternity in hellfire maybe I should change something about my horrible personality so people don't wish this kind of thing on me so if you've ever said that, that's where all the fun is in response to this, fuck you please go wiki every, every religion ever and stop pulling the definition of hell out of your ass, thanks Matt, holy shit he didn't believe in it, but he put a lot of thought into it. All right, let's start the show, you guys. Please welcome to the stage the politically powerful comedy. And he's, he's just a sweet kid that I knew when he was younger, and I bust his balls, but he's a very funny. His name's Jamie Kilstein. Here, buddy. Don't knock over a water. Oh, thanks. That was
0: such an amazing microcosm of your show where it's like, and now for the happy ending. Where's Tom? (laughs) Oh, he's outside broke while his girlfriend's probably (laughs) fucking someone on a camping trip. (laughs) And there's a room full of people who are going to mock his pin. Welcome to the podcast. (laughs) I didn't want to mock his pain. I thought he would be here and we'd all be
1: happy. It would have been really good. Now he's probably in a car somewhere and his girlfriend's going, why the fuck, you didn't get tickets already? (laughs) (laughs) I could be in a tent with someone I like better than you. No.
0: (laughs) Sorry, Tom. So
1: how you doing, buddy? I I think I should open this by apologizing because I think I owe you an apology.
0: Well, here's the thing. can Can
1: I do the apology first? Yes, please.
0: Let me figure out what it's for. Okay. Because we've had many good moments and bad. There have been different marks all through my life. (laughs) How about this, Mark? The one who was in a
1: car with you in Los Angeles, and you were like, uh, So, dude, I'm doing this spoken word poetry now. All right? All right. right. And I'm like, Really? How's that going? (laughs) And then you're like, It's going pretty good. I'm like, Really? Is there a career in that? And I I said, Have you done deaf poetry, Jim? And you're like, Yeah, I did that already. I'm like, Well, I think you're done. So, so and I that, said, "Get back into comedy."
0: Yep. Yeah, and I did. Well, there's more to that story. Is oh, that is there a bad part? No. That all well, right. kind of. So there, there, there was good and bad. First of all, you were the first person that like allowed me and showed me that comedians could hate other comedians. <laughs> Where, like, when I first started comedy, I was like, We're all in this together, and it's just a bunch of artists, and we're gonna support each other and just kind of root for each other. And it's not like in reality what comedy is it's like, Hey, dude, your friend just got on Letterman, and you're just like, He's not my friend anymore. Like, it's a terrible, bitter place. So, with you, I That's met- the old
1: mark, by the way. Old
0: mark. Yes. Yeah. So, I met you when I was like 18 or 19. And right. like- you were like this little kid. And I approached to- you. I was like, You're one of like, my favorite comics, and you like, yeah, didn't but then you you approach me, to me off?
1: over and over and over, over again, again. Yep. throughout your career. Going,
0: dude, can you just set me up with that dude? All I need is a gig. All I need a gig. And so I remember we used to sit in the back of the Boston Comedy Club mm-hmm. in New York City, which is, I wasn't even working there. Like, what you have to do in New York when you start comedies, you hand out flyers for like five hours unpaid to get five minutes of stage time, which at the time I'm like, I'm an artist. And then you get older and you're like, that's illegal. Um, <laughs> I should have fucking unionized. <laughs> like, that is not oh, yeah. good. That's always a good thing to do in your comedy career unionize
1: other amateur comics. <laughs> To demand stage time. <laughs> We've got five minutes. Where's our stage time?
0: <laughs> this is the saddest union. And so so we used to sit in the back, and uh, there was this host, this guy named Todd Lynn. And he knows yeah and so mark would sit there in the back so todd would be up there and every all the comics would be quiet and like as a new guy you're just like you be respectful to everybody and todd would be up there and be like indian food that makes me shit. and mark louder than any audience member would just go come on And I was like, oh, you can do that. You can. So then in L.A., my wife, uh, Allison, and I, this is like before we had a radio show, we were literally living out of our car for like two years, and it was a really bad idea on paper. But we fucking did it. Like, we lived in like a fucking... I think it's a bad idea all around. Oh, totally. Like, we lived out of like Not just on paper. Yeah, on paper. It sort of
1: makes it sad to me that you wrote that down. (laughs) Life plan. Live out of car for two years. That
0: looks bad. Let's do it. (laughs) Maybe we should unionize. Yeah, so so here's the fucked up part is we're fine the whole time. Like, we didn't break down. We didn't have a fight. We didn't have anything. Like, we went through, like, the mounds of Montana. Allison got really sick. I did shows in front of six people. And we were just happy to be out of our jobs in New York. We get to L.A., And you emailed me and I go, I'm like, oh, it's in like one of my fucking heroes, like he wants to take us out. You took us out to this like really cool like vegan meal. I was so excited. Literally, our only fight of two years came after we drove around because Mark's tour of LA, like he was the only friend we had in LA, and most people will be like, hey, this is where you can get stage time. This you literally, do you remember you drove us around and just showed us where every celebrity killed themselves? (laughs) and that's when Allison finally turned to me and was like what the fuck are we doing and I go I don't know and we didn't talk for like two days (laughs) that's hilarious you didn't get one opportunity he just showed us where people died (laughs) that was was it you you were just like hey right over there Belushi and I'm like oh my god Belushi you're like fucking OD'd on heroin over there and I was like oh that's so sad (laughs) I didn't know what else to show you no it's good though
1: (laughs) (laughs) to me that's what LA meant it was you come here and if you're lucky you eventually kill yourself (laughs) right so, all right, so I noticed something, and, and this is like, this is where I turned into a little bit of an asshole, but you okay. talked very rapidly, and when we were just in conversation talking, yeah. you weren't doing the... Uh, you yeah.
0: weren't doing that. Yeah, See, yeah. Now, now... That reminds me of another Mark story. What, the one that happened a month ago? No, in Connecticut, when you, you brought me to open for you at the Mohican Sun, and, and you go... Uh, oh, I talk so fucking tragic, dude. It was dude. so bad, and, and, and I, I talk really... At the time, I talked fast, really fast on stage, and you started talking fast on stage because you hated the audience, and you actually said... <laughs> You go, I'm going, you looked at me, you nodded, and you go, I'm going at Kilstein speed. What am I afraid of? (laughs) And that sums up my act. Just like, don't stop, and you won't see the hate in their eyes. (laughs) Don't wait for (laughs) who. There's no
1: hate. They're just people going, what's really inside Jamie Kilstein? Just... We understand that he cares a lot about the world. So they're about concerned. Politics. <laughs> yes, they're concerned. What's this little man have going on in his life? Yeah. Like, where are the car stories where you're driving and, and you're eating out of McDonald's bags and you turn into a vegan because your know. girlfriend makes you? Where are wow. those stories?
0: <laughs> the vegan thing, are there any vegans here at all? No. See, this is the thing. So This I've... is Canada. They have national health care. They can get sick. That's true. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> They can go in like I fucking got a
1: piece of meat stuck in my heart. And they're like, no problem. Go right down the hall. We'll take it out and we'll grab a pack of cigarettes on the way out.
0: <laughs> I have type 85 diabetes. That's a thing now. It is. <laughs> Yeah, well it was even the, the vegan thing's weird because I feel like we were talking about uh preaching to the choir before and I feel like with the vegan thing, it's one of those things where like even you have the most progressive audience where I can be like, Hey, people use religion as an excuse to hate and everyone's like, Fuck religion and I'll be like the war is an illegal occupation, they're like, Fuck the war and then I'll be like, Sometimes I eat salad and they're like, You pussy Jew motherfucker <laughs> Go fuck yourself and they're so angry. So I even like I found a way to alienate progressives too. Uh, no, you don't understand. You didn't just alienate progressives. Vegans alienate everybody. I know. It's so
1: condescending, and I understand. I'm dating a vegetarian, and she brought it up to me that that like just by nature of the fact that you get to sit at a table and just where people are just eating food right. and be like, oh, I don't know. <laughs> It's so fucking annoying I that's just like
0: not liking things, you know what I mean? Like You're
1: going to tell me that there's not a principle behind your ridiculous dietary restriction? Oh, no, there's, a total, there's a total
0: principle. No, I mean, it's anyone who, who calls himself an environmentalist uh, I think shouldn't eat meat. I mean, that causes more harm to the thank you, one person. Uh, yeah, how does, it, that, how does that feel? Well, I would like to disprove the stereotype. <laughs> she had enough energy to clap, which makes me happy. So fuck all of you. Also, though really, like, we don't even go after fucking brave animals. Like, you know what I mean? Like, if we went after tough animals, that'd be fine. But what do we do? We turn fucking chickens into McNuggets. Ooh, that's brave. Or, like, how, cows. Like, we capture cows. How do we trick that beast into the factory farm? Like, he's the stoner of the animal kingdom. Like, here's Family Guy box set DVD season four. And then they go, like, if we ate, like, fucking tigers, like, if you were, like, dude, I just caught a fucking tiger, I'd be like, let's eat that fucking tiger and send a message back to us fucking tiger kids and be like, oh, this is for Sig Freedom Roy. And, like, I would eat the shit. Out of that tiger, but we don't. And here's the thing: wait, wait, wait,
1: you would eat a tiger? I would eat a tiger. That's fucked up. Just so right, I know, right?
0: But that's the thing: is everybody? Don't you like bacon?
1: Seriously, bacon? No, because no, they... seriously.
0: E- everybody.
1: No, seriously, if bacon. See... Think about it. Just think about it. Think about it honestly. All right. Just think about it honestly. Take a minute. Like,
0: what's what? Okay. Bacon. All right. Nothing. No, I'm gonna go back on all of my principles and no, uh, I don't and here's the thing if you, I feel bad about if the animals if you watch I the way, do now that you bring it up That's like, the thing is if you wa- I think that's why people get so defensive is if you, What if I, if you what watch if I the just videos, ordered
1: meat and I apologized to it before I ate
0: it? You apologize like, to you know, the I, I get a steak and I go, I'm sorry Right And then eat it Is that kind of like the apology you were gonna do here? And then you started making fun of me about being a vegan? <laughs>
1: Yeah, kind of. Because we didn't get yeah. to the apology. I just realized that well, the apology is I've okay. I've been sort of a dick, uh, and, and I'll probably be a dick more. See, this is a, this is a conditional apology with you. Usually, I apologize and okay. really, you know, I'm gonna change because right. of my relationship with the person. But I don't think I can stop being a dick to you. Sometimes. I've accepted it. Yeah, like the I, the one thing, because he does this thing from because he's a spoken word guy. Like he does this breathing thing when he does his act. And oh that makes you seethe. I know, I don't even know why, but I just (laughs) I remember you did that set at UCB that when the show we were on and you killed and you were walking backstage and go, nice breathing. (laughs)
0: And here's what's funny is... uh, Don't say you don't do it on purpose. Don't you fucking dare say you don't do it No, 18-year-old Jamie on stage is just like, Mark's watching this set, and maybe today's the day he'll tell me I did a good job. (laughs)
1: Nice breathing. Okay. All right, son. Listen, I think you're doing great work. Thanks, buddy. And uh, I enjoy your work. It makes people very excited. I enjoy you. I just wish you'd slow
0: down. I know. It's a panic thing. <laughs> it really is. Like me, Please. I'm talking about important things. Oh, uh, it's the worst, man. And like, and you do this thing too, where like everybody who doesn't like you, I project different family members onto them. Like you can make eye contact with. Every time someone leaves, I'm like, bye, dad. And then like, if a woman looks mad, I'm like, hello, mom. Sorry, I didn't go to college. <laughs> like, it's really fucking rough. Like, no matter how many people like you in an audience, comics find a fucking way. No, I like everybody now. I'm I'm very open to laughing. There's very well, few now I don't I- give a shit if you like me. If you like everybody. Like that's I I wanted the mark who hated most people to like me that guy's gone Okay
1: <laughs> Now now, how do you How does it work for you When you go on the road With this stuff I mean because I, I imagine That you don't only do Like liberal progressive havens Yeah like the, no, the Midwest I mean, or... It
0: goes really well um, The people who like it Really like it So like I just did Kansas City um, last week Which has some like Really amazing like Progressive parts Like around it Very and small parts Comedy clubs will market uh, Everybody the same way So like when I went To Kansas City Instead sure. of going to These like liberal people towns People just going out For general comedy Right So I did He was like We're going to do this Right wing comedy country western station and i'm like that'll be funny it's a radio experience right and but i'm like but do i have to promote the show but i'm like is anybody gonna come and he goes no don't worry about it uh don't talk about politics which is all i talk about he goes just do the (laughs) jew stuff just i don't have jew stuff he just saw my name and was like you have jew stuff so he so this is the quote just do jew stuff they're totally anti-semitic and then he gave me a thumbs up and I was like, but I don't have Jew material. And so we go to this station to apparently, like, bait the Jew haters. And we go, and I'm like, it's not going to be as bad as I think. It's going to be these dumbass shock jocks, and they're going to do their goofy shit. And we literally get there, and the guy's looking at a piece of paper. He looks up at me, looks at the paper, and goes, Kill Steen, eh? And then I look at him, I'm like, yeah. And he goes, Jew, right? And I go... Get out. Yeah. And I go, yeah. And then uh, the owner's trying to hype me up, and he goes, uh, he goes you know, the only other guy that, this manager, that his manager manages are Robin Williams and Woody Allen. And the guy goes, Robin Williams, tell me something. Is he a Jew? And I go, I don't know, man. And then he goes, I know Woody Allen's a Jew. And I'm like, we all know that Woody Allen's a Jew. And then he goes, you know who else is a Jew? And that's when I was like, are we making a fucking list? Like, it sounded like... We were about to hit the streets. there, uh, there is
1: a list. There's a uh, there's a, a guy has made a list of I think it's called I can't forget what it's called, uh, Jewsomethingsite.com. Oh and my I, god. Well I he wrote he has this huge list of Jews from history, and it's an anti-Semitic site supposed to show, you know, how horrible Jews are. But you know, he has this huge list of all these actors and scientists and everything. And I'm like, you know, first of all, I got him on the phone because I was upset that I wasn't on the list. <laughs> And then, like, I really wanted to convince him to just tweak it because it's clear, if you look at the list, that Jews are fucking amazing. Right. And this guy was a Nazi, and he just refused to, to, to turn his mind around, but he did put me on the list.
0: Oh, good. Yeah. Congratulations. So
1: what ended up happening?
0: Uh, I mean, we, we walked, I mean, one night we walked about 200 people uh, out of 400. I mean, we would walk pretty much every night. But you walked 200 people at once?
1: Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I wasn't happy but about that. At it. what
0: moment did they
1: all decide to get up?
0: Uh, literally, the su- and I had them in the beginning, and that's what sucked, is I had them, and I started getting more into it. Religion, because- right? Yeah, it was religion. Yeah. It was totally religion. And I didn't even set it up as in like, hey, you believe this? You're retarded. I was just like, maybe gay people aren't bad. And they were like, and we're out. And... <laughs> They But here was the thing, is the dude who went before me, who was so fucking mean to me, and I kept, like, really needily trying to be, like, nice to him. Um, He was like, hey, I I go, do you talk about politics? And he goes, yeah. And I go, oh, well, what do you talk about? Maybe I'll switch my set around. He goes, you'll see. And I go, okay. And then he walked on stage, and so here was one of his jokes, is he brings up China, and uh, and I go, perhaps we're talking about the economy. And he goes, um, he's talking about the Chinese milk scare, and he goes, I would never drink milk from China because... I've never seen a Chinese cow. And I go, all right. And he goes, white cows be all like moo. Let that be a Chinese cow. Are you all letting it be? Uh, Chinese cow go, ching, chong, chang ching, chong. Really? I thought so you no- was- And wait, so here's the thing. No racist joke, no racist words, just racist noises brings the fucking house down. Like, every night, except for the one night I did well, which was the one night it bombed. He goes, ching, chong, ching, silence. And then he goes, oh, I'm sorry. Too political for you. And then Uh, he puts the mic down. Jamie Kilstein,
1: ladies and gentlemen. (laughs) Move down. Oh, my God. Are you going to Purge? <laughs> Eddie Pepitone just sheepishly walked across the room. You want to sit way down there? That's cool. You can get on mic, too. This guy you might have seen on last comic standing. He's a very funny, tall gentleman uh, who, who he comes from Kansas, right?
2: Chris Porter. Thank you. Now,
1: Chris... I assume that you grew up, if you grew up in Kansas, you grew up surrounded by people that were frightening. Or are, are, are they your yeah, family? I'm, rel-
3: I'm related to them. <laughs> uh, I live in a family, you know, I go home and I love my family to death. I'd gotten arrested for them, but. Uh... Wait,
1: wait, wait. You're just not going to blow by that, are you? <laughs> wait, what exactly? Long story
3: they- short, we were at a bar and it was like a district of bars. Yeah. And so, like, the, the bar district had yes. a security patrol. Yeah. And my cousin, who's a very well-built gentleman, uh-huh. was just like, hey, man, look how it was like a sconce. We had a country bar, so it, like, it would normally held a ro- red velvet rope, but this held just a, a rope. <laughs> and, <laughs> and he goes, look how flimsy this is. And he knocks it over, yeah. and he picks it back up. And next thing you know, we're surrounded by six security guards. Yeah. And I'm looking around like, all right. And I go, can I help you, gentlemen? He's like, yeah, we think your buddy there is a little drunk. And I was like, you're insane. He knocked the thing over to show me how flimsy it was. He picked it back up. I was like, I don't know. And they're like, well, we think he's had a little too much to drink. And about that time, he put his hands on my cousin. And I said, man, fuck you. (laughs) And I thought there was going to be further discussion. (laughs) Like, that was just my opener. Yeah. And they thought that was my closer. Because they came at me.
4: Six All,
3: of them? all six of them. Yeah. And I didn't throw any punches, but I kept myself up for as long as possible. Yeah. And then eventually was shoved onto the ground. I was like, ah, you got me. Yeah. And uh, So they, you
1: didn't do the standard sort of you know, uh, Midwestern drunk thing and
3: fight them all the way into the car? No, I did. I was pretty vocal. Once they got the cuffs on me, I was like, you, you happy now, you fucking pussies? You got the guy whose cousin knocked over the sconce? <laughs> and, and I'm like, and I'm just scrum like, you fucking, you know, is this what your job's come to? Like, this is your Wednesday night. You got to bust this guy. And. I don't know. I, I by the was,
1: time you got in the car, but the, I never understand what happens on some of those shows that I don't watch very often, but by the time they get the fucking screaming, you know, crazy person in the car, right when the handcuffs go on, it's like, fuck you,
2: fuck you. And somehow
1: by the time they get in the car, their pants are off. Yeah. <laughs> their shirt's ripped open, they're bleeding, and they yeah, haven't been touched.
3: <laughs> yeah. That happened? No. Good. No, I... They ripped... My shirt got ripped in the scuffle, but that was about it, and I kept yelling at my sister. I was in a phase where I was wearing a lot of fedoras or whatever sure. reason, and I just kept yelling. I still got them if you want them. Uh, I've seen you in a couple hats. Yeah, and I just kept going, get my hat! Get my hat! That's my favorite fedora! Wait, wait, did I just say that out loud? Shit! Don't let him take my hat! So, you know, my my family definitely has a racist contingent in it like it's very fun like my dad's side of the family's an artist like very musical uh guitarist you know uh-huh. my dad's the black sheep who's the businessman or whatever. Uh-huh. and then my my mom's one of seven of a heavy catholic family and my grandpa says just calls black people niggers really like that's and i always thought he was trying to be offensive by it but then I realized that that's just what he calls them. Like, he doesn't not like black people. Like, he thinks they're fine. But when they're not around, they're niggers. Uh-huh. And I realized that once when a Hispanic lady came over, and she was, like, a friend of our families, and he was just like, oh, where'd you used to live? And she was like, well, I grew up over here, and blah, blah. She's like, you probably don't know. He's like, well... You know, he used to deliver oil with my great-grandpa across Kansas City, like on a wagon with horses. Yeah. And he'd just be like, oh, no, I've been to every nigger, chink. And he just continually labeled off every racist name for every race. But did he say, you're a beaner, right? Yeah, yeah. It was totally like, and then then that's when I realized, oh, you're just stupid. Like, you're just... (laughs) You know, you just don't get that that's one of the most offensive things you can call all those people. But at some point, did you
1: ever say, you know, you shouldn't call people that because it's offensive and racist and it's uh, oh, yeah. horrible. And, and you, you
3: know, and of course, my little cousin, you know, when every one of the grandkids goes through college, mm-hmm. they're all disgusted by the way our family acts. Sure. It's, and then as soon as they get out of college, they're like, oh, no, yeah, I'll say nigger. That's uh-huh. fine. And so, like, I definitely have cousins where, like, we'll be out on out at bars and they'll just be like nigger this nigger that i'm like dude a yeah that's not cool yeah and b they're all around us (laughs) you know they're you're they're gonna hear you and you can fight i cannot i i've always gotten away out of fights with funny or just being smarter than the guy that's trying to fight right and you're just gonna get our asses kicked Uh i'm just not
1: so that's interesting to me, though, because when you have this in your family and you have these arguments with people that, you know, within your family and they just don't see that they're wrong and they know they're fucking wrong, which makes them even more racist. But yeah. they're your family. And then there's this line drawn where, you know, then all of a sudden you become one of them. Yeah. That, like you're, you're like, oh, hell, there's a the hippie one. Yeah. And then they they somehow you're wrong.
3: Well, yeah, but my family is still. No matter how wrong they think you are, no matter how wrong I think my cousins are, we're still family. Like I think that's there's uh, unconditional love there. Like even though my except cousin, for other races, except and, for other races, yeah.
1: But everybody else. But in the at world. the same
3: time, if I brought a black girl home, yeah, no one would not like her. They wouldn't be like, oh, Chris brought the black girl home.
1: No, they would say so, the other Chris thing. Brought,
3: yeah, I, I, but at the <laughs> same. But they wouldn't say it while she was in the room. Right. But they, they would be very... And, you know, if I married her, they would love her just as yeah. they loved anyone else. But
1: Dean, you, I'm trying to be as diplomatic as possible. Okay, thanks.
3: Yeah, yeah, <laughs> 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 yeah. Is this
1: yours? I, I've, I've had, you know, this, this word, even if it's said in stories and about somebody else, is it, still offensive, and, and I, I knew Dean was sitting over there, and we'll, we'll deal with that in a minute. But, um... <laughs> Right, Dean. Okay, I the. This is what I'll do. This is what I'll do. I'll do exactly what he would have done in the bar. Dean, he said it. You know, he. I I know it's in casual conversation. It was in a story. Yeah, and that's what they always say, right, Dean? It was in the story. Okay. (laughs) It's it's not my fight to fight, Chris. It's all on you.
3: It's all
1: right. No, I feel okay about it. So now, do you uh, do you perform when you go back there?
3: Yeah, I don't like to perform at home. Uh, it's the worst, right? Yeah, and, and your and, family comes out. But it's not a comedy thing. It's it's like my like I said, my uncles are in music, and they come back home, and they're like, I fucking hate performing at home, and it's not. It's because it's not the normal road experience where you show up to a gig, no one knows who you are. You can go do the gig and not worry about anything else.
1: Like not worry about failing. You can just go jerk off alone in your hotel yeah, room. Yeah, or
3: and- not worry about the fact that you you've only written twenty new minutes in the last year, <laughs> yeah, so you yeah, know yeah. half the show they know already. And yeah. So you gotta you gotta <laughs> yeah. be like, huh? Ah? Oh, remember this one. It was good. Uh, ah. Yeah. Uh, but plus, it's just that you know. 20 minutes before every other show, I'm out in the back, smoking reefer, getting ready for the show. And now...
1: So you've forgotten your new 20 minutes.
3: <laughs>
1: <laughs> and now you've got to go with the old hour. Yeah, yeah.
3: So, no, but then... But, you know, now <laughs> I got... When you're at home, you have everyone in their family going, I want free tickets. I want free tickets. Why don't I get free tickets? And you're just like, well, it's... You know, I bought shitty weed from you five years ago. <laughs> and <laughs> And we were kind of friends. Yeah. Because you sold me weed. Yeah. And I didn't know anyone else that had weed. But I haven't spoken to you in five years. I know other people with weed. Pay for your own fucking tickets. <laughs> and give me my hat back. And give me... <laughs> <laughs> I know I left my second
1: favorite fedora at your house. <laughs> yeah,
3: I did. <laughs> I traded The one for with weed. the sparkles. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so now let's talk briefly about this last comic standing business. Did you guys get that show up here? Dude, so what, when did you, you come in? like? Third. Third. Now, uh... oh, thanks. But you've been doing comedy a while, right?
3: Yeah, well, I'd been doing it eight years when I did the show.
1: Yeah, so you're a real
3: comic. See, I have a problem with Last Comic Standing. I have problems with it, too. Like what? <laughs> uh, basically, I think what you're about to get, you know, when we did it, it was. They were bringing it back, and yeah. they were really trying to make it a strong show. And I mean, I was on there with Gabriel Iglesias and you know, Ty Barnett, like real, real comics, yeah. like that had been doing it eight or nine years. Right. That had, you know, you need an hour to do that show,
1: right? Because you're going to go on the road with it.
3: Well, not only that, but I mean, you know, we went from having to do two. We went from doing the boat, yeah, and then they, doing the boat. There was a boat. Well, the house part we oh, okay. did. Uh, we I don't fucking on, watch it. We we're on the Queen Mary. Yeah, which has been dry docked for years. It was just a hokey. I think they got they got it for free. Yeah, it was a free location. Sure, but uh, and then we were only supposed to do two final episodes, and then they expanded that to five. Right, like it was no big deal. Right, like you're going to do three extra episodes because they
1: were milking it because people were digging it. Yeah, yeah. So they dragged the competition on. And they you know, made you deal with each other for another. Three but you days. had
3: comics that could deal with it. Right, like, who had the depth and knew what they were doing right but now they're going for the younger especially like season six they even said we're doing people that are have only been in it three or four so, years right so they're doing the big middle tour yeah <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah
1: we're gonna do a nationwide tour of openers <laughs> <laughs> gonna, people the last have comic head, standing tour is like 12 guys that could do seven minutes it's gonna they be, they be great have,
0: they have to hand out flyers before they go on the set <laughs> <laughs> and
3: aren't then you're on the show yeah <laughs> And then they're like, well, why isn't the show working? I'm like, well, that's why. You don't have the... Not that those cats aren't talented or won't be talented. Some of them won't, but some of them will. And, but they, you get them way early, way too early. You're exposing them way before they, they, they should be exposed. And it's... <laughs> right. But it's it's, it's uh, like okay. a crucible almost. Right, like, right. You you're, guy, gonna... you're the guy that failed on last comic standing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Or, you know, if you're on national TV and they're like, I saw you. And you're like, yeah. And they're like... Yeah, you're all right. Oh,
1: fuck. It's yeah. worse if they just weave it at I saw you.
3: Yeah, 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 You're just like, that fucking passive
1: aggressive shit. I hate that. It's like, hey, man, saw you the other night. Because <laughs> they know we're needy fucks. we are like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> See ya. <laughs> Chris Porter, ladies and gentlemen. All right. Now, for the other side on the friendly racism topic, please welcome former SNL cast member and someone who I haven't seen in years. Very happy to see him Dean Edwards, ladies and gentlemen. What's
4: up, buddy? He's we we's out. <laughs> the, fu- the funniest moment was the f- on the first nigga. No, no, it was actually, it was the second nigga when people realized that I was in the corner. Because the first one, a lot of y'all didn't see me, but the second, because I'm wearing black and I have, I'm black, you know. I'm, yeah. Like, I'm not like Will Smith, yellow, black, I'm yeah. I'm dark, you know. And so I, I was I was over there in the dark, and then on this on the first nigga, I was like, okay, so the, they're all gonna notice me eventually. And then after you said nigga the second time, every, everyone and, and even you, Jamie, oh, I, Jamie, Jamie, kind of was looking down like, he's like, is, is Dean looking at me? He knows it's, I, I, I'm not a ventriloquist. It's coming from Chris's. <laughs> Does he want me to attack Chris? <laughs> but the 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 weirdest thing about the the word nigga it, it's black people especially in the states deal with this interesting dichotomy yeah where where you're always on guard so as soon as I know Chris so I know he's not so I know you're telling it from a story point of view so I don't the the one part of me is like well you know he's he's telling a story it's not him like it's like the it's, it's it wasn't me it's a story but then the other part of me that has Todd Lin and everyone else, like every other, every angry black person I know. Is is on my shoulder saying words? are you just gonna let that go, dog? You just <laughs> You gonna let that roll? Yeah, so I think you're like, all right. By the first one, you're like, all right, he's telling a story. Yeah. But by the seventh yeah. one, <laughs> <of course. laughs> well, because because like I said, you have you have that dichotomy. So the one side is like, well, it, it's it's still a story. And Then the other side is like, he's 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 almost in double digits, you know. <laughs> we get double digits. You are gonna have to stand up and just you know let that temple muscle flex so he we know. Well, you wouldn't see me cause it's dark over there anyway. Yeah.
1: Well, I think the real question, well,
4: Dean, I is...
3: I <laughs> got to ask you this. If I would have told the story and just kept... And, and every time, I, instead of saying the word, I paused and looked around uncomfortably and said the N-word. Right. Yeah, well... Does that and, change anything? Uh, well, would yeah, she,
4: actually, yeah. it yeah, does. It, uh, <laughs> it, it, yeah,
3: it
1: does, it does a little bit, you know. <laughs> I ain't going to front. But, well, right. I think the real question, though, is like in relating that, if you had chosen that... Uh-huh. Yeah. See, my question is, is that when he started saying the, the N-word, I'm mm-hmm. not going to say it. Uh, (laughs) Because I'm closer No No No, I I, I don't I worked with a dude On the radio For for a year and a half Mark Riley Who's a black dude Mm -hmm. On Air America And we had a show And we used to do that show now, and, and this is a true story, and I didn't know I was going to bring it up, but we used to do that show in WLIB, which was one of the first mm-hmm. you know, Black networks in New York, and Air America had taken over the office, so we were yeah. in their house. See doing how they take show. over the brothers. That's, started. Right. That's The liberals like colonized <laughs> the brothers radio station to do that because and, and there's this burden because you know Jamie obviously felt uncomfortable, but I tried to have. A conversation with him, literally within the first week of doing the show with him, uh, uh, about the word, uh-huh. and I said it. Uh-huh. You know, I said, "I think we can have an open discussion about uh-huh, the word." Yeah. And this, he was, this look came on his face, like it was like, like, like literally, like I, he had been hit by a something. Body blow, body blow. Yeah, and he right. like, and uh, and it was it was horrible because uh, the. He told me that he got a phone call on his phone. This is the day after that we had that discussion. He said, yeah. yeah, I got a phone call from a guy. I don't know who it was, but he said, don't stand too close to Marin.
4: Oh, wow. Yeah, wow. so like
1: now I'm walking around for three days thinking I'm going to get fucking shot. Right, right. <laughs> and it turns out no one called him. Right, he just no. didn't want to
4: lose his gig, right, and that's right, what right. he chose to tell no, me. No, is is, it's an interesting... It's one of those strong words that that makes people... For me, it's funny because it makes white people so uncomfortable. When when someone white says it, like, I I was actually sitting over there laughing up to number six, right? Up to number six, I was giggling, and I was like, oh, it's getting (laughs) kind (laughs) of... Paul Mooney's in the background, so you're just going to let that slide, brother, (laughs) you know... (laughs) <laughs> but it's it's always funny for us because we're like you know there's just because I don't I don't use the word um, you know? I I just I you know like years ago I I went through you know as most young African American it's always funny saying African American I'm just black yeah can I just I say, say black yeah I'm yeah. good with black dog right um, so I went through this whole like reading Malcolm X and, and the autobiography of Malcolm X and. and in the book, he, he uh, or in his life, he said it takes an intelligent man to be able to communicate without using profanity. So at that point, I said, Oh, you know what? I'm gonna try and not. I was in the army too, so it was hard, you yeah, know, because yeah, yeah, yeah. when you have <laughs> you have a drill in your face, get your dick in the dirt, private. Your mother smells like a goat. You know, it's <laughs> it's hard not to say, damn motherfucker. You know, you wanted to fly out, but over over the course of time, it just it, it got easier for me not to use it and and not to not to use. Use the word nigga. Well, um, see, the, the weird thing is, like, some black people, no matter what the context, right? Well, they, they, if you say
1: it, it doesn't matter what right. the context is. I got an. Oh that, yeah, but, yeah, no, like I, literally, like that. Sh- that word should not exist.
4: Oh, listen to me. I'm, I'm also clarifying how, like, both sides of yeah, how yeah, I felt, yeah. so that anyone black that is listening yeah. isn't like Dean. That was a sellout. He didn't even stand <laughs> up for us. You know what I mean? You, <laughs> Because you you always have to deal with that. I think I, uh, Chappelle said years ago. He's like, "How come uh, black black cat? You can't just on TV. You can't just be uh, uh, a janitor. You have to be the first black janitor. You know. You have to. And then and then you represent for the whole race. You know what I mean? Because like it, being black in in the states or in, in America, you you suddenly become the responsible one. You know. And so everybody looks to you to- yeah. for guidance. The burden like, of history is on you, yeah, black man. Yeah. I'm like, hey, man. I just want and tell my fart jokes, you know. <laughs> I want to try and uphold, uphold the race. I actually heard heard a porno chick. She was like, "Well, you know, what? I'm I'm a porn star, but I'm one of the first. And I was like, "Boo, you take it in the face. I right, don't, don't try to don't try to you're you're holding up the race and then wiping your face <laughs> off." Right. The
1: first black porn chick. She's really doing. They're gonna put us put her on a stamp, I guess.
4: Yes, yes, she will. It's already sticky. Pousy chick. Oh, so where the fuck have you been, man? You know what? When, when you said that, I actually like, the, and, and you know this as well, like, in in this in the comedy, stand-up comedy is the one industry where you can be, like, a a successful failure, you yeah. know what I mean? Because I, I did, I did. You don't got to tell me. Yeah, no, you know. Yeah. We, we, look, honestly, when I first walked in there, I felt like, oh, we're going to each do a one-man show for 10 minutes. Yeah. But um, no, I, I did Saturday Night Live from, uh, from 01 to 03. Got a, a deal with ABC that turned into me buying a house, yeah. and and hence, since then I've been doing and trying to either, pay for the house. <laughs> yeah, well, no, <laughs> yeah. The, the house got paid for, but it, it it was like I'm I'm a road dog, man. I started out like like people always. Someone asked me uh, earlier today, um, uh, Teresa with with the yeah, uh, festival. The, 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 the she public said, yeah. she said, yeah, she said. So, um, how was your time on Saturday Night Live? I said, hey, man, I had a blast. But yeah. you know me, and and I'm the type. Uh, you know, the glass is always half full. So I think uh, Rock said years ago, he's like, look, ever since I've known Lorne Michaels, I've been rich, you know what I mean? <laughs> and I haven't been rich, but I've been comfortable. So SNL offered me a lot, that, and still, like, like hell, like to this day, people are like, What do you want us to say? I'm like, say Saturday Night live until <laughs> until you get a bigger credit, you yeah. roll with that one. You <laughs> yeah, know what yeah. I mean? <laughs> and and so I'm fine with it. I I, I was funny before the show. I was funny on the show when they gave me an opportunity, and I was funny been funny after You're the show. You were funny right now. You know, yeah, and, <laughs> and uh, I stay on the grind, I you know, I, I tour a lot, um, I, I actually I do a lot of voiceover, I'm, I'm actually bizarro Eddie Murphy like Eddie's stunt double voice, so like um, on the, every, sh- every commercial for, for Shrek products that you see, that is not, you know, the movie itself is, is, is me doing donkey like, all the McDonald's, and like Shrek, I think I'm going crazy, and the glass was turning around <laughs> that, that, was, that was me, you know um, <laughs> Eddie didn't wanna. There's there's a new uh, <laughs> Halloween special premiering in about a month on the, on the uh, NBC back home, it'll be on here called Scared Shrekless. We're supposed to be like Shad Shitless, but yeah, Shrek. Yeah, I guess. So um, <laughs> and so uh, Eddie Eddie was the only cast member that for whatever reason didn't want to do the TV special, so they uh, they brought me in. I wound up. I I'm giving my bio for Sorry. for you mainly. Yeah. Um, like uh, a couple of years back, I wound up. Uh, being part of Shrek the Musical, I workshopped the show for about two years, and then at the last minute, uh, Sam Mendes and Katzenberg fired like seventy five percent of the cast. Yeah, the guy who yeah. was cast as Shrek got fired. No, that guy Steve, right? The guy. He's oh yeah, Glickman. That's yeah, a cool. buddy of mine. Steve yeah. Glickman. He played. He was Shrek to my donkey. Right. right? And uh, they they got rid of Shrek most of them. Shrek to your I donkey. Know, he, he was Shrek to my my donkey. Right. And. Um, And they, but they, you know, there were too many chefs in the kitchen on that one. But um, from that, I wound up developing, you know, this relationship with Casenberg and DreamWorks. As I've, I've actually made more success or had more success because the show got canceled. (laughs) But we, because we, we worked on it so long, we still get paid for it. So like, like it's touring, so I still get my checks. That's a good job. So that's a beautiful day, Dean Edwards, (laughs) ladies and gentlemen. From
1: SNL and Eddie Murphy's voice double. That's a, that's a good credit. All right, here we go. This next performer has been on my show before. I'm happy to have her back. We just did a bumper shoot together, you know, from the Sarah Silverman program. Please welcome Take Nataro. <laughs> Hi, Tig. Hi, Mark. It's nice to see you.
5: nice to see you. Uh, Dean, I can't believe you didn't mention the pilot we did together.
1: You guys did a pilot? <laughs> we together?
5: did. It was well, the worst thing in the world. It was called Comedy, Comedy Coliseum. Coliseum. <laughs> and uh, it was like 15 people. You do stand up, sketch, props. Like there's like a samurai in underwear that rolls a prop card out. Yeah. Oh, that's and that's right. You, <laughs> oh, yeah, that's right. And uh, how else would you get props? <laughs> So he rolls the card out in his underwear or diaper and then you pick something and then you're like, well, this is a cop. <laughs> and then- the so uh, way they
1: force everyone to do prop comedy? Uh,
5: prop, you can choose. Yeah. But the best part is uh, the, it was built as a coliseum and behind the scenes, the next comedian that's going up to perform is <laughs> elevated <laughs> by, a, yes, by an did. elevator <laughs> and then they call your name and you walk out into the coliseum. And if you look closely, a lot of the audience members were sleeping during the taping. <laughs> they were. Yeah. They and I was sitting there with my friend Kyle, and like you're supposed to scream and yell and make noise when the next comedian's coming yeah. down. And what, what I was doing was like during all of that madness, I was yelling, This is a horrible idea. Oh my God, this is so embarrassing. I can't believe this might be picked up for TV. <laughs> it was.
4: It was a bad show. It was, it produced...
5: was not. It's like we're not. <laughs> <laughs> it the
4: was produced part? by by the guy that did America's Funniest Videos, Vin De Bono. Oh, OK. Yeah.
1: But like just the thought of a comic. To, like it's bad enough just to take a stage, but to rise out of yeah. the ground. Literally, just and sort like, of like, now fl- a dramatic failure. <laughs> yeah. And,
5: and there were flames going. It was, oh, it was... shit. For comedy? Of course, Mark.
1: Fuck that.
5: You've been lost in the podcast world. We're out there performing in Coliseum. <laughs>
1: Coliseum, hoping not to get eaten by lions. Hoping,
5: <laughs> hoping to get eaten by lions. One last thing about Comedy Coliseum. Please. Sure. The most humiliating moment uh-huh. was when the producer looked at us and said, I feel like I'm looking at the, new, <laughs> the original cast of Vesanal. <laughs> oh, <wow. laughs>
1: the original cast of yeah.
5: Us. yeah that was his, his yeah, was white like, light moment yeah. here can- we are <laughs> Now go grab that bat off of the <laughs> <laughs> diaper. Grab, grab, grab that, that melon. Chicken. Yeah, <laughs>
1: yeah. Yeah. Anyway. So wait, I'm still having a hard time. So they just take comics and then you have What pro- are you, having you have a hard time well, you with? Have tr- you have a choice of props. There was a time limit. So you had a choice of props and then what? You had to, you had
5: Stand to tell. Stand up, improv, and props. Yeah. Yeah. And you oh have God. a short amount of time. Yeah and you have to make people laugh the ones that are still awake and
4: and there were five weren't there there were like five people random people in the audience that you didn't know and you had to make them laugh I didn't even
5: pay attention holy shit uh, you
4: know there's gotta be footage of that from some comic that we know I I have the I have the DVD because I hosted it oh shit I I was the ringmaster of this coliseum (laughs) of which we speak so there's
1: there's footage of guys we know like choosing the prop options yeah Yeah. Yeah. Natasha
5: Leggero her go to move was humping uh, the prop comic. Heart. Right! Like time she had to do stand up or props or uh, imp- uh, uh, sketch, she just humped.
1: They just, she just humped. Yeah. Now, see, that's like more incriminating than a sex tape for Natasha. Yeah. I think you should release, release that That, on that is her
5: sex tape, yeah. <laughs> She's humping a, a prop cart.
1: So I'm glad we didn't dress the same tonight.
5: Well, you know, <laughs> we
1: yeah. had this thing where literally we did shows in Seattle and we were wearing the same fucking outfit.
5: We were the only two comedians on the show, and then I, I would come out, and then Mark would come out. The only difference was he had facial More obvious facial hair. <laughs> oh, fuck. Well, I'm going to head out. Okay, that's great. <laughs> Uh, I just kept picturing, when you were talking about your fedora, I just kept picturing you talking to your racist family members in your fedora.
4: (laughs) (laughs) Just going, don't say that. In a black voice. (laughs) Say, man. Because that's Robin Williams' voice (laughs) is the black voice. Yeah, man. He takes it from 1975. Because black people back in the 70s spoke, and everything ended like they were singing. (laughs)
5: I, I think I might impress everybody right now.
4: With a black voice?
1: Yeah.
5: Okay. Uh yeah. Hello. <laughs> brilliant. Brilliant. <laughs> uh yeah. <laughs> yeah, what's going on?
1: <laughs> 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 what what caused you to develop this character?
5: I don't know. <laughs> it's a weird talent I have. Uh, people are just tuning in and they're like thanks take no all right man thanks for <laughs> having me on uh, it's hot on your podcast
1: I know it's hot in my, in my garage I'm sweating because I've got flannel on I've got everything else on you have him. a
5: garage in Vancouver also Yeah. Um,
1: I chose to do the theater because I wanted to do it live but yeah I rented a garage I brought my cats up
5: awesome. I'm going to be doing
1: some interviews in there tomorrow
5: <laughs> so what you want to know a horrible road story you got one you're my uh, yeah, pants. of course I have a horrible I have plenty.
1: Yeah, one shitty road story, then we'll have Eddie end this thing with the All sad right.
5: Anger. Uh well uh I uh emceed one week in Denver at this like C room, just like a you know yeah. third tier. Yeah. Um and I was bombing every night, uh every show. And then on Friday night when I was leaving um, no, Saturday when I showed up for the first show, the owner handed me my check and was like, you know, you don't you don't work in my club. And uh, I was like, oh, okay. And uh, there was nothing to add. Like, what do you mean? Like, cause I knew. It was silent. Yeah. And so um, I left, and when I was walking out, the, open, the feature who had been complimenting my stand-up even though I was bombing every night... Um, when I was leaving in the parking lot, she was like, Where are you going? And I go, I just got fired. And she's like, No, you didn't. And I said, Why do you think I'm heading out to my car at showtime <laughs> and you're getting out of your car at showtime? And she's like, Well, you just say it so casually. And I was like, Well, I mean, I don't know what, what else I'm going to do. And so, um, Oh, when I was leaving, there was a line of people to get into the show, and in that line was a group of my friends. <laughs> <laughs> and I had to walk past them, and they were like, where are you going? I was like, uh, come here. <laughs> they were like, oh, we're so excited to see you. I was like, uh, uh. <laughs> um, I got fired.
1: <laughs> Take Natara, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you. That was great. That was great. There's no reason for I'd things to I'd love to, to tell it speak. again. Well, we can... <laughs> <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, this man needs no introduction. I'm gonna... You want to stand, right, Ed? Yeah. For the last word, as usual on the live podcast, Eddie Pepitone,
2: ladies hey. and gentlemen. <clears> hey! <throat> hey, everybody. I just want to say I'm a little logie I... I, I uh, there was a gift basket when I came in to my hotel room, and believe me, I love gift baskets because I haven't had the success a lot of these people have. Matter of fact, when Dean brings up Saturday Night Live, all it does, I get bile, bile <laughs> generates in me. And when I hear about Lorne Michaels, I wanna kill that man. I wanna, <laughs> I wanna lunge at that motherfucker so badly because he produces toothless fucking comedy as does as does all corporate comedy that's why i love podcasts mark is the only one that'll have me if i if i was on the set of two and a half fucking men i would just i would just rip the their clothes off and fuck everybody on that set like i would I would fuck everybody on that set. The children, the men, the women, the crew. Because everybody, at least in the United States, in television and about 90% of film are living a fucking lie. Like, they all, they all run around glad-handing each other, going, that was great! Oh! That episode of Two and a Half Men that we just threw together was fucking amazing. Whoa, we we deserve we deserve to be the number one rated show, and and we all deserve our houses in the hills and the cars and the pussy and the caviar because we wrote. That episode and we filmed it. Yes, it was a lot like the previous eight years with a couple of tweaks. But anyway, I got a gift basket of cupcakes and it's fucked me up. It's really fucked me up because,
1: you know. It's okay,
2: it's okay. And I'm losing my breath because I've had a few of them and I don't feel well. But I don't. I don't feel well on so many fucking levels. It's amazing. And I come to Vancouver, and I'm trying to avoid smoking weed because, you know, in my head, it's like, Eddie, stay sharp. Stay angry. Don't smoke pot. But meanwhile, I'm running around town, cupcakes, pizza, lasagna, and pudding. I might as well be smoking weed, I'm thinking.
1: (laughs) Can I ask you a question
2: real quick? Yeah. Really? Pudding? pudding? Yes, because yesterday. <laughs> no, I know pudding. I know pudding isn't cool to talk about. I know. I know that pudding is not like skull fuck indigo or whatever the fuck you people do. I you know, if I smoked weed though, like I, I, I I'm such an older guy now that if I smoked weed, yeah. I, I, like I get off on just bullshit now. Like I'd be like, oh man, I'm going in Rite Aid. <laughs> That's a pharmaceutical, I don't know if you have this, if it's a pharmaceutical, yeah. Oh man, I'm gonna get some wellness points. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny shit if you knew what I'm talking about. I don't tailor my stuff for a different country. I let you come to me. You come to me. I'm tired of playing that game. Oh, I'm going to tailor my shit to this country. I'll fucking show up in Guatemala and talk about two and a half men <laughs> and how it sucks and how the TV industry, and they don't know what I'm talking about and I don't care.
1: And then you're at the Guatemalan television studio pitching a Guatemalan version of two and a half men. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Por favor, go, <no> people. Go <laughs> and a half. Go <laughs> and a half. Me, <laughs> me. Anyway, yeah. I just want to say <laughs> <laughs> that at my age, I j- it's like an apocalypse now. Like when I see cupcakes, I kind of like. You got the gift basket too, right?
1: Yeah, fuck Did yeah, you I eat them? Plot through three and a half of them. That's why I called you. I called you immediately. I know
2: that's right. He did. He said, "Eddie, don't eat the cupcakes." <laughs> I was concerned, but that is what it's like for me now. Like that's a big deal. Like, like, like I feel like when I see the cupcakes, the song "This Is the End" by the Doors is playing. <laughs> like very low, apocalypse now, helicopters coming up. And you're the, you're chopping up a an an ox? Was, no, not an uh, ox. Wow. I'm chopping up a vanilla frosted <laughs> a vanilla frosted cupcake covered in icing. Did you? I'm I'm tired. <laughs> I'm tired from the sugar.
1: But seriously, did you eat pudding?
2: I did because yesterday, <laughs> yesterday I did a podcast and one of the guys, uh, Graham Clark, I think, yeah. from Stop Your Podcasting. <laughs> oh, come on! It's not about Graham, right? He said, he said you talk about pudding a lot, so I brought you a, uh, he brought me a 12-pack of Cozy Shack. Oh, fuck. And that was, that how was many, how many? How many down? What? How many G. I I only did two. I gave two to, the other, two, to another person.
1: <laughs> you gave pudding away? What? You gave someone pudding? Yes. That's the weirdest fucking thing in the world. Dude, dude, here's some pudding.
5: <laughs> when I was walking down the street in uh, Vancouver today on my way to Urban Outfitters, I passed this voice going, I'm just trying to love myself more. Into a cell phone, I turn around and it's this. It was into a. Yes! <laughs> no! It's this guy just Hold on. crammed full of cupcakes saying, I'm just trying to love myself more.
2: Because I do something called cell phone street theater. I saw. <laughs> I saw a Tig out of the corner of my eye and I said, What a moment to oh, blurt yeah. out. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just trying to love myself more. Yeah, who are you it,
1: talking to, you big pussy?
2: My girlfriend. <laughs> I'm sorry, ladies. His fine cats. Right. Eddie Pepitone, ladies and gentlemen.
1: Tig Notaro, Dean Edwards, Chris Porter, Jamie Kilstein. This is live. What the fuck? From the Global Comedy Festival, Havana Restaurant, Vancouver. You're great. I've got T-shirts.
5: I got stickers.
1: Thank you so much for coming down. If you want to talk or buy a T-shirt or what, bye, you guys. You got to run to another show. Jamie Kilstein, WTFpod.com for all your WTF needs. I love you, Vancouver.